Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube channels Hiram Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content on YouTube weekly. And don't forget to follow the podcast. Welcome back for another episode of Courtside. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what we saw over at the California Classic in San Fran, the Salt Lake City Classic as well, with Chet Holmgren going crazy over there with OKC Thunder, and they might even be summer league champions uh, sooner than later. I'm telling you right now, they might be the good favorites. And... You know, what we saw from the number one versus the number three draft picks fighting off against each other in the summer league for the first game in Vegas. We saw Ivy and the Detroit Pistons get a close one over the Portland Trailblazers. And Sharp was not looking very sharp in that one. Plus, I mean, we missed out on Monday's episode. So for those who uh, celebrate, you know, the United States and their independence, happy late 4th of July for those Americans out there listening to this podcast. And as well, um, what happened with the Timberwolves' Rudy Gobert? I mean, what does that trade even mean for that franchise? And I might even have a little intake about Kevin Durant at the end of this episode. Then again, you know, talks are kind of slow. I kind of think that everybody's kind of exhausted from these entire, you know, weights of KD being shopped around. He might not even be shopped around at all this upcoming offseason. And I'm, I'm going to go into that as well at the end of this podcast. However, let's start off with the California Classic as we look at a couple of big-name players in this one from the first round. Obviously, Keegan Murray, uh, the pick for the Sacramento Kings, number four pick. He played in this one as well as Chet Holmgren playing in Salt Lake. Uh, however, besides those picks, the Miami Heat's uh, Nikola Jovic did not have the type of games he wanted to have. I mean, the Heat got blown out for the first two summer league games in California, and Jovic had more or less of a struggle trying to get his groove going in. I mean, the first game, he had three points in that one, was one in six in that game, one in six. However, Keegan Murray, a different story for the Sacramento Kings guy. I mean, 26 points in his debut in the Summer League with eight rebounds, zero assists. Kind of shocking. I thought that he would more or less be, you know, out there moving the ball with Sacramento, but maybe they're not trying to push around that narrative of, you know, ball movement in the Summer League. Then again, I mean, how can you really look at coaching during the Summer League? But Keegan Murray, 26 points in this one, 71.4% field goal percentage he was 10 and 14 from the field four and five from three so murray looks to be absolutely phenomenal so far in this summer league as he uh you know finished off the california classic averaging more than 50 percent from the field and then we didn't really see much of jovic until their last game on tuesday the miami heats 27th pick in this one on their uh last game against the golden state warriors summer league squad he ends up going off 25 points nine rebounds almost getting a double double there and was shooting 56.2 percent for the field nine and 16 and jovic i mean he's more or less of a guy that's you know especially on the he's roster right now who already lost pj tucker uh udonis haslam the 40 year old 20 plus year vet is most likely not going to come back to the miami Heat. we haven't heard anything yet on him signing back with miami and eric spolstra's squad but jovic might even make some minutes uh, 10, 12 minutes, maybe even 15 minutes at most, but he can be used easily on the wings. I felt like more or less he's not a typical big man. I think his frame definitely means that, you know, he's a facilitator if he wanted to. He can take you inside. He has a shot. He does have a shot. And just like Luka Doncic, again, maybe uh, Fisher-Price, Luka Doncic, 2.0, same country, 13 years old, went pro. 
So it's a possibility Jovic, even though he has that one good game so far uh, out of the California Classic and in the Summer League, he might be a good star for Miami. He might be a good star. So Keegan Murray and Jovic, probably the biggest names out of the California Classic, getting it done on some uh, marquee games for them in the Summer League. However, Chet Holmgren, his first game in Salt Lake City, he was phenomenal. 23 points he had in this one. 18 of those points, I believe, were in the first half. And let alone six blocks. Those six blocks he had against the Utah Jazz's uh, Summer League debut. Those six blocks were a Summer League record for the most blocks in an individual game for a Summer League game. Insane. Insane. Chet Holmgren, if you're an OKC fan, I would be excited. I'll be liberated just to know that the future is now. Chet Holmgren, you know, bearing the number seven on his back, wearing KDs, 7-1 height, you know, more or less of a wide frame, not like an Anthony Davis wide frame, but, I mean, he may look skinny, but he does not play like if he needs any bit of weight on him. He has a great facilitating mind for his height. He dribbles low enough where you can say that he makes enough space off the dribble to take a great three-point shot, and he's a phenomenal shooter at that. I mean, in his uh, debut where he got those 23 points, he was 4-6 and six from three. Some of those threes, I mean, I even think I saw a step back three coming out of him. He looks ridiculous. I think Holmgren, Giddy, and obviously the other young stars, I mean, Dort as well, signing off on a five-year deal with OKC. That team will most likely make the playoffs in the next three years. And sure, just the first game of Summer League for most of these guys, first time ever even touching the NBA, but let me tell you, it, it is exciting to see Chet. He is phenomenal to see Chet. I cannot wait for him to come over to Vegas. And speaking of Vegas, Jabari Smith, the number three pick for the Houston Rockets, and Paulo Benichero of the Orlando Magic's number one pick played last night. And I don't know about you, but I honestly thought Smith was going number one. The kid out of Auburn, Jabari Smith, 6'10", great frame, and obviously, you know, people talk about his shooting, but I think defensively his wingspan is like seven foot something. I mean, I thought he was going to be the number one pick easily. But Paulo, in this first game, NBA ready. The most NBA ready guy out of this draft and probably the entire summer league. And there's guys in the summer league who've already played regular season games. And some of them even starters, including for the Atlanta Magic, RJ Hampton in this one. He was in this game and Paulo looked like the main guy. He looked like a season vet. Paulo Benanchero, impressive night, 17 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 41.7% from the field, 5-12. and 12. However, what's really interesting about him is the way he can score. I saw a couple of step-back threes. He's taking it inside. Phenomenal shot. And he's aggressive. I think it was, what, like 220, 250 pounds, something like that. The guy at a young age is built as if it's Shaquille O'Neal with wheels. He is a phenomenal ball player and honestly played power forward in this one. Plays the four. Wouldn't be surprised if I see him run down the ball. Wouldn't be surprised if I see him in our Orlando Magic uniform starting the first game, taking the ball down over Marquis Fultz and possibly working back and forth with Gary Harris, who ended up re-signing with Orlando Magic during this offseason. Paulo is a guaranteed starter as a number one pick should be. And the best part about it, he might already be the best player on that Orlando Magic roster. But sticking with Orlando, because I think that this is also deserving some sort of praise for the Orlando Magic's GM and front office from this draft. 
Caleb Houston out of Michigan. 20 points coming off the bench and an efficient 20 points, 58.3% from the field, 5-9 and nine from 3. You can't complain about that. Houston could even be a potential starter in the future. I mean, if I'm R.J. Hampton, if I'm any of those guards over there in Orlando, I'm going to have to pray that I have a three-plus-year contract because the two guys that the Orlando Magic have gotten in this draft from Ben Chero and Houston, they just might be starters later on in their careers with Orlando. These are two phenomenal players. And Houston, coming off the bench, he looked better than Hampton. Efficiency is a huge part of the NBA. And both of these players were more than just efficient. They were productive. That is a good sign for Orlando Magic fans for the future and probably something that tells you that they're on the right move for a rebuild because they might even skip that other step of, you know, making a play-in. They might even make the play-in this upcoming year. Indiana's falling, right? Detroit, they're slowly, you know, progressing, but I don't think it's going to be enough. They have a choice where they could be the worst NBA team in the NBA to now making a 30 to 35 plus win season. That's where I put the Orlando Magic. And again, I'd be, you know, kind of a broken record for this episode, but it's just the first game of the Summer League, so who knows. Uh, but now we look at uh, Houston's uh, Jabari Smith. 31 to 32 minutes in this one. He played as a center, so that kind of means that, you know, the way that Smith plays, they might be going straight small ball, move more or less to the wings and perimeter in the Summer League for Houston. I mean, I don't really look at coaching that much again, but Jabari Smith, 10.7 rebounds. He wasn't really efficient offensively. Uh, he was chucking up a lot of three-pointers, more than I expected. He was 1-4 from the three. And overall, from the fields, he was 4-10 for uh, his shots. So, three of those missed shots out of his 4-10 overall from the field goal was a three-pointer. It didn't look like he was comfortable offensively. Maybe he was still trying to get into the groove. Hasn't played, you know, a lot of these guys haven't played basketball in a while. Uh, but, Smith, despite the fact that you had a poor offensive night from the number three pick, defensively... I thought he was phenomenal. I think he played Paulo great. I think whoever uh, you know Smith was up against, he had a great wingspan length, of course, of him of seven feet plus. You know, drives on the basket, moves his feet, gets real low for his height. I mean, he is going to be a great defensive player in the NBA. Offensively, he has to get used to himself. He has to get used to the idea that this is a fast-paced game, the quickest the NBA has ever seen, and probably is going to get much quicker because every single year we're like, what, the whole four sons right with steve nash and mike d'antoni as the coach i mean that's looking irrelevant right now in today's nba but houston they ended up not winning this one orlando ended up winning 91 to 77 over the houston rockets uh they didn't have much going for them however if anything this was an exciting game there was a bunch of posters block shots and the first ever summer league challenge call of this year's season uh, so that was also really exciting. If you ever have the choice of uh, watching the replay of this game, wherever it is, either ESPN, NBA League Pass, even in some clips on YouTube, this was a great game to rewatch because these are guys, again, like the Summer League's main uh, message. These are guys fighting for contracts, fighting for a G League spot, an NBA rotational spot, and of course, our first view of some of these top draft picks uh, from the NBA draft a month ago. But again, Paulo looked phenomenal his night, and... The game after that, I think it has more of a uh, interesting landscape perspective of the NBA. The Detroit Pistons winning it 81 to 70 over the Portland Trailblazers, and you know, Jaden Ivey has a lot of history with the city of uh, Detroit. You know, his parents were athletes over there. Ivey 
20 points in this one, six rebounds, six assists, 42.9% from the field. So it was an efficient night offensively. And I think that, you know, they found their guard. Cade Cunningham, obviously going to be running the ball a lot, but Ivy is going to be really, really fun to watch in the upcoming season. I cannot wait for that. Ivy looked phenomenal in this one. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, you know, I don't know if, you know, for those who don't really you know, familiar with the name Stewart. That was the guy that tried to rush full speed at LeBron James. He was rushing full speed into this game, almost getting a double-double for himself. 13 points and 9 rebounds in this one. And uh, Jan Duren out of Memphis. Duren, the center, the big man, only played about 12 minutes in this one. But still, 9 points, 4 and 6 from the field. So an efficient night. So Detroit looked phenomenal in their production from their starters. The bench... Got two guys, uh, Key and Lee, uh, more or less not really going to make the uh, the roster. However, uh, they were the only two players to even get any points off of their bench. That's probably the main reason why this game was so close. Uh, in other words, the starters was really what put this Detroit Pistons team over the top of Portland. And, you know, that was all Ivy. That was all Durin. That was all Stewart. And Caitlin Hayes, seven points in this one. I was expecting more out of him. Only 50% from the field, 2-4, and four, didn't take much shots, wasn't really had the ball in his hands to even do anything. Ivy looked like he was more in control of this offense than anybody. So, again, Ivy's going to be fun to watch, but Hayes, I expected more out of him. And Detroit, I mean, we might have to see more or less of the starting lineup play more than 30 minutes during the summer league, which will be fun. It'll be fun. But Portland, on the other hand, Shane Sharp, and I am vocal about this, was I was with the NBA draft episode. Shaden Sharp, the number seven pick, and again, he did not play any bit of collegiate basketball. He was a top prospect coming out of high school, uh, didn't really do anything in college due to injury and whatnot. As the seventh overall pick, I'm expecting at least production offensive where it's 10 points or more. As a top seven pick, you should be leading a Portland Trailblazers summer league team where a majority of the guys on that roster aren't even on the aren't even on the regular season uh, rotation. Sharp ended up having two points in this one. And yes, only played five minutes and 33 seconds of game at all. But he was a starter. All right? He was one and three from the field, 33.3%. The only shot he made was a fadeaway, uh, an impressive fadeaway, more or less skilled than anything uh, over uh, a defender on the side of the basket on mid-range. But still, he looked like he did not belong in an NBA Summer League game. He looked weird. He looked abrupt. And even one of the turnovers he had in this game, and only had one turnover. But the turnover he had, he had an outlet pass, easy for a layup on a fast break, overthrew the guy. Straight to the corner and to the fans. Shaden Sharp of the Portland Trailblazers. And yes, again, as a broken record, it's just the first game of Summer League. I might be overreacting. But this is still a pick I do not understand for Portland. Even... Weeks after the NBA draft. With that number seven pick, you could have easily gone out there on the trade market, bringing another guy for Damian Lillard. Maybe even a bunch of rotational players for Damian Lillard in the Portland Trailblazers to even make a playoff push into the next season. Sharp does not give you anything from the looks of it. And offensively, he doesn't look like he has much going on. Again, small forward position, so he doesn't have the ball much in his hands. But he should at least try to use him more. Sharp, I felt like, was not even being used as a rotational piece going around off ball. 
rotating back and forth between baseline the baseline, corner to corner, wing to wing. I didn't see none of that. I did not see none of that. I don't do not believe that Sharp is going to be a... Well, I mean, I hate to say this, but I really do not believe that Sharp is going to be a guy in Portland that we're going to be seeing a lot. We might see more Simmons than anything. But Sharp had a poor performance in that first one despite their team uh, only losing by three points against Detroit. Sharp, you know, did not show out for them. Did not show out for them. But that's really all we saw from this Summer League so far. I mean, again, these were the first games in Las Vegas. And these Summer League games are going to be making all the way to what I believe to be uh, probably deep in July. Uh, but again, I mean, just to start, it's going to be fun. We're back to basketball again. The offseason's over uh, for a lot of teams. And now we're going straight into Summer League. And the next year is finally upon us sooner than later. Uh, but let's talk about this offseason, actually, because, you know, as I mentioned before, the Minnesota Timberwolves have acquired Rudy Gobert in a trade. And it was actually made official uh, Wednesday. It was made official Wednesday that Rudy Gobert has now made his way to the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz, who sent the nine year, you know, Utah Jazz Center Defensive Player of the Year, who's only been in Utah throughout his entire career. They ended up receiving a haul, a whole hog haul of phenomenal rotational players. And let me tell you what it is. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, who was the vocal point and probably one of the biggest uh, headlines surrounding Minnesota whenever they played games. So Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leonardo Balmoro, Walker Kessler, who is the uh, number 22 pick from this year's NBA draft, Jared Vanderbilt, who's a, well, was a great rotational player for them, and as well as five picks, four of those picks being first-round draft picks and a 2026 pick swap. So I mind you, five draft picks, about five players, four of them at least being rotational players that were a huge part of that bench's core, are now in Utah wearing those weird-looking Utah Jazz jerseys, which I still cannot believe... Uh, they checked off on that. But um, Rudy Gobert will now make his way to Minnesota for next season to pair up with Carly Towns in the front court. And that front court alone, between the two centers, $410 million. $410 million for two centers in an NBA where the big role is more or less based on how much they can do away from the paint. What does this mean for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Why would they make this move? If you ask me, this is all based on the owner seeing recent success. I mean, I don't know exactly how, you know, who's the main guy in ownership, who are the you know majority who are investing in this team. But I bet you that they saw the recent success in the playoffs and as well as the play-in from this Minnesota team and the fan base of the Timberwolves that is rallying behind these players. And they said, let's go win right now. I don't care that Anthony Edwards is not even 21 years old. I don't care if our bench is gone. We'll get players in the offseason. We'll figure out a way. Let's just get a huge piece that can put us over the top, and let's go out there and make it to the NBA Finals. If you ask me, the Minnesota Timberwolves, with this move, they don't make the Finals, all right? You're talking about teams like the Golden State Warriors, and yes, they lost Gary Payton II. Yes, they lost Otto Porter Jr., but they're still going to be in the mix. The Dallas Mavericks, they lost Jalen Brunson, sure, but they're still in the mix with Kyrie Irving, potentially. You know, they still got players out there that are, you know, looking to be on a team with Luka Doncic. 
they made the Western Conference Finals for a reason. Luke's phenomenal. Spencer Dinwiddie is still on that team and was efficient off the bench here and there. Denver Nuggets, MVP, two-time Nikola Jokic. He's obviously going to be back. I think Denver is just trying to figure out who they can bring in to keep it as a contender. And Memphis, don't even overpass Memphis. John Morant, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the best coaches out there in the NBA. The entire Western Conference, even with Rudy Gobert now in the T-Wolves, I don't put the Timberwolves as the top, you know, four teams in the Western Conference, maybe top five. But the Timberwolves are still behind the ball in the Western Conference, and let alone, I mean, against the East? Because it's not like Rudy Gobert, sure, great defensive player, but it's not like Utah was actually building over the years better and better defensively with them on the roster still. The Minnesota Timberwolves does not compare to the Milwaukee Bucks. They don't compare to the Boston Celtics. They don't compare to the Miami Heat. They don't even compare to, I mean, who knows, because TJ Warren is now with Brooklyn, and they're just adding more pieces. I mean, who knows if KD even you know, goes off. I'll go into that after this uh, topic. But Rudy Gobert, that move that the Timberwolves made, it's going to, you know, it's going to put them down financially. It might even put them down for the next three or so years because they're going to try to figure out how to put Rudy going on. And the extension of Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you sign them up for long years. You better make them worth it. You better make them worth it because Minnesota is not a inexpensive place to have players stay for a long time. Ask Kevin uh, Garnett. You know, ask Strawberry. Ask anybody who has been there. Ask Kevin Love. It is not a place where all-stars find success. And Minnesota, you know, give them the props. I love the fact they're going out on a line and actually trying to bring something to the Twin Cities, but I don't know. I don't know. This is a really, you know, scratch your head, pull out a scalp type of move. It really is questionable out of the Minnesota Timberwolves, but we'll have to see coming up during the offseason. But to end off this episode, you know, I told that I'll be talking a little bit of Kevin Durant stuff. I know it's more or less of one of a boring topic now, and I hate to say that because two weeks ago I was doing backflips in the middle of the night doing an episode talking about Kevin Durant and potential trade talks. But from the looks of it right now, I mean, probably the worst thing that could have happened is that Kevin Durant was part of these trade talks with Sean Marks, the GM of the Brooklyn Nets. Sean Marks, I bet you, has probably found some sort of deal. And Kevin Durant said, no, I don't want to go there. I want to be here and there. However, Katie's asking about some crazy stuff. He wants to go to the Suns, but he wants to play with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Sean Marks going to do that trade would need Devin Booker a part of it. And Devin Booker got that contract extension, so that's out of the market. You go to the Miami Heat. Yes, they could put pieces out there, but Bam Adebayo is not going to be part of that deal due to a rookie extension he has, and Ben Simmons still being on a rookie extension as well. So for some weird uh, contract thing, uh, you know, he can't be part of the trade because of that. But you don't think that Jimmy Butler is going to be in the mind of Sean Marks saying that, hey, if you're going to do this trade I want Jimmy Butler. I want the guy who is literally 32 years old in the same situation as Kevin Durant, someone in his prime or mirroring his ending of his prime. I want that same guy replaced. Pat Riley is not going to sign off on that. Nor is Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant wants to play with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. So you might as well take that off the market. And any other team that's not those two that isn't a main metropolitan city, let's say a small market like the Pelicans, Kevin Durant would not sign off it at all. Kevin Durant wants to go where he wants to go. And unfortunately, the Nets are obliging to it. If you ask me, this just might be a hostage situation. This might be a hostage situation where we see Kevin Durant still in a Brooklyn Nets jersey in October. 
we might even do that with Kyrie Irving right now because, you know, again, you know, they're going to talk more in the summer league when the Nets and the Lakers are together. But I, I just I just can't see it. I just don't see it at all. Kevin Durant, another jersey. And the idea is that you know, it'll be a good trade for both Sean Marks and Kevin Durant. I just don't see that happening. One of them has to lose. Most likely it's going to be Sean Marks in some way. But right now, if these things still come to an impasse, it just might kept, it just might be Kevin Durant not going anywhere. He might be traded to Orlando by all I know. Maybe even Detroit Pistons. And he might not even like it. But that will come up hopefully later on with more information on that, the Summer League, and more on next podcast on Monday. So I want to thank you again for joining in to the Courtside Podcast for this Friday. And I hope to see you guys on the next one.